0: Welcome to the SajCast. I'm Mark Gossin. I'm Stacy Roberts. And we, we are, are the Sons, Sons of Joy.
1: Joy. You're listening to SajCast number 23. Our 23rd ever SajCast. And in keeping with our new tradition, this week's SajCast is sponsoring the Way Home Alliance. The rescuers of... Dogs with troubled pasts. Cats who peed on the
0: wrong thing at the wrong time. And flat out cute critters. So the Way Home Uh, Alliance is actually uh, an organization that takes uh, animals, dogs and cats, out of uh, so-called high-kill shelters and puts them in no-kill shelters where they
1: will be safe until you decide to come and adopt them. And much like the funeral industry, they are fond of euphemisms. And what they say on their website is is that they take animals out of Mm -hmm. high-intake, high-kill shelters and save them. And what we really mean by that is that there are shelters that just get a constant stream of discarded pets who are euthanized. And the Way Home Alliance puts a stop to that, not just in our area, but they will also take pets as far away as Canada and save them and adopt them out.
0: Yeah, and, and what happens, uh I mean most of the time if you've ever been to um shelters that, that uh don't promise not to kill, I don't think they call themselves high kill shelters. But uh you know the, the young animals are the really cute ones, the babies, they tend to get adopted pretty quick um but older dogs and older cats um they linger there and some organizations are forced into the making a decision about whether or not it's you know financially sound for them to keep that animal and so um those are the shelters that the uh, the way home alliance will come and uh, scoop up those animals and take them uh back to their shelters where they were safely remain until someone can adopt them so
1: and so for all you listeners and fans of the Sodgecast out there the way to make this work if you were paying attention is the financial consideration their donations button on their website which will be on our website and uh follow our lead and send them some money and let's keep the pets alive
0: yeah their uh their their link is there in fact the the picture you see on the Sodgecast this week is of the saint bernard that they had on facebook so we'll have links to both their facebook page and uh and their homepage, and you can
1: uh you can link away and uh support a very good cause and for those of you who have listened to every SajCast, you will notice that our track record on dogs and cats and saving critters is is pretty straightforward. And I won't tell you which episodes they're in, but we have talked about shelters before, and we did an entire episode that was actually sponsored by dogs. Okay, so this week we have uh, our second-ever co-co-host. Indeed we do. We found that having a Coco host kind of elevates the stature of your favorite podcast and it brings a much-needed different voice to the microphone. So this week, our co host happens
0: to be my son, Oren. Yes. And we um, we decided we wanted to talk to a fisherman because we're wrapping up our, uh, our March month uh, where we had our fishing writing contest or our, our writing contest about fish. Yes. And in fact, by the time you hear this uh, going out over the airwaves, no doubt if you look on your social media feeds, you will see the winner.
1: Yes, we are going to announce the winner. We are going to lavish all manner of honor and and uh, financial remuneration upon him or her, and then have them come on the Sajcast to talk about their story and what it is that they like about fish. Assuming they're willing to step up to the mic, uh, who would who would
0: be <laughs> unwilling to step up to the mic? But anyway, uh, for today's show, we uh, we decided we needed a fisherman, and my son has been fishing since uh, since his early days. And we we had a number of questions for him, but then we realized that not only is he a fisherman, but he happens to be going to a college that two weeks ago no one had heard of. And last weekend, many, many people had heard of, and this week, everybody knows, and that is Florida Gulf Coast University. So as it just so happens, he is going to the school that has become the Cinderella story, the David and Goliath story, however whichever metaphor you like there, but this sleepy college You know, made a a scant 16 years ago, has come out and uh, trounced a number of competitors. They're uh, on their way to the Sweet 16 now, uh, and uh, someone in their position has never managed to do that. So we couldn't pass up the opportunity to talk a little bit about what it's
1: like to be at a school in that situation this week. And not to detract from our enthusiasm in having Oren on the show, we are happy that he's going to college. Yeah, that originally we were just happy that
0: he was going to college, but now it's especially nice that he's going to a a famous college.
1: A college that's on the news almost every day um, around here regarding their unprecedented success, which seems to hinge a lot upon the fact that they're having fun playing basketball, which unfortunately today, even at the amateur level, doesn't quite happen so much. These things are taken with quite a high level of seriousness. And so I personally am fond of the fact that the school that doesn't really give it the gravitas that everyone thinks it should
0: is winning. They're also going to play the Gators this Friday, um, the day that we should air this episode, no doubt. And uh, they're also our arch nemesis, so we have more reason
1: to root for FGCU. I recall in the midst of our past that we did at one time have a pretty serious hate for the Gators Yes, as we went to Florida State.
0: So there you have it. Anyway, let's, let's, uh, let's turn on the, uh, old Skype machine and see if we can get Oren on the line.
1: Oren, welcome to the Sodcast. This makes you our second ever co-co-host. Um, you've got some big sh- purple shoes to fill. I was going to make a joke about this is not your daddy's podcast, but it really oh. is. <laughs> and I'm assuming that you've listened to all the Sodcast, as have our listeners. So I won't explain what I just said. Hopefully people will go back and listen to them all. So we have a couple of things to talk to you about today and only one of them is a fish story. Okay. As you know, we sponsored a writing contest this month and in the spirit of Lent and all things fishy, uh, we, we asked that the stories be about fish and, uh, we got a number of entries and they were, they were all pretty good and there were some delightful descriptions of fish. But since it's March and there's some sort of madness going on, the other interesting thing about your Current situation is that you're a student at Florida Gulf Coast University, which is the talk of the entire nation over something to do with a, with a basketball. So tell us what's going on there because I, you guys are on the news every day. Um, it's pretty crazy. I woke up the other day and went out to my car and found that people
2: had written all over it. Go Eagles. All the cars have been written all over. There's news
1: here every day and there's never been news here before. So it's pretty crazy. And, and FGCU is a, is a college that hasn't been around as long as some of the other Florida schools and certainly hadn't had a national reputation of any kind before now. And all of a sudden your basketball team is all over the place. It is. It's pretty awesome having a lot of fun with it. And how far have they gotten? Um, they're in the sweet 16. So they've won two games so far. One of the things that I've noticed about the commentary is the thought leaders in basketball, the, the, the commentators with decades of experience watching college basketball are saying that the unique thing about your team is that they seem to just be out there having fun. And while they're doing that, they are incidentally kicking butt. They are. That's it's like the Harlem Globetrotters watching them play. They don't
2: look when they pass to each other. They're doing crazy dunks, and it's pretty fun to watch.
1: And they happen to win. And that's that's an interesting phrase. They happen to win, almost as if that wasn't what they were out there trying to do. Well, how long has the team been around? Um, I believe that this is their uh, second or third year
2: in the NCAA, and it's their first year in a tournament. So they haven't been Division
1: One for that long. Two years, three years. I imagine that there are colleges who make an institution out of the tournament (laughs) who are uh, gnashing their teeth and and dumping ashes on their head, wondering how this upstart school has managed to uh, turn the world on its head. Yeah, and it's funny watching them comment about it because you just type it in and everyone's
0: complaining about it. But that's got to feel good for you, right? Oh, it, it does. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy it thoroughly. Well, one of the things I was telling Stacy was I I, I went to the St. Louis Comic Con Wizard World last weekend, and mm-hmm. I brought with me a bunch of ironic shirts. So I brought a Reptar shirt from Rugrats. I brought a, a very geeky computer <laughs> joke shirt, and I brought my FGCU shirt, figuring it would be ironic and nobody would know who it was. But I should have worn it on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> because by the time I wore it, everybody was just like, "Well, you're very hip. You're on top of us." <laughs> well, and yeah.
1: when and when he told me the story. It occurred to me how remarkable it was that you're at a Comic-Con, a convention of of practicers of the geek arts, and FGCU has done so well that it's penetrated even to that level where no basketball has gone before. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, when you've got geeks coming up to you going, Go Eagles! And you're like, wow, <laughs> do you guys ever watch sports? No, we don't watch sports, but we know this. <laughs> so that's pretty uh, interesting. Well, tell. I mean, so yeah. When was your school founded? In sixty
0: something, right? No, 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 no. We got approval to become a school in
2: nineteen ninety
0: one. Oh. Oh, yeah. it's, oh, it's Margaret School. I'm thinking of that was sixty something. Right. Yes. So yeah. So very okay. new. Yeah. And and tell us like tell us about the campus because it's not your kind of Ivy League, you know, giant white right. things everywhere.
2: Well, the campus is on a nature preserve, and they can only use half of the land that's here. So the school is literally in the middle of a forest. We have a big lake with a beach on campus, so it's
0: very kind of a hippie school, if you will. I would say forest is a polite word. I would have said swamp.
2: <laughs> well, right now it's a forest. It'll be a swamp pretty soon once the rainy season starts.
0: And so you've got gators and snakes and, and all that? Oh, yeah, all over campus. You just walk up, you see a gator on the... By the side by campus. And yet they're not your, your, your
1: uh, school mascot. No. That's, that would be the Eagles. Isn't, right? Isn't that the, the bird that hunts snakes and gators? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's up. the point.
0: Yep. <laughs> and you're, you're basically inside of the, the town, right?
2: Yes. Town's kind of uh,
0: crowded around you.
2: Right. Yes. We are. We're below Fort Myers, so we're not actually in Fort Myers, but
1: there's plenty of Rich old people around us. And so the reputation that your school had up until, say, I don't know, last week sometime, was as kind of a hippie school in the middle of the swamp. Right. And now, all of a sudden, you're known for something else. Yes. Well, that's That's got to feel good, too. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, well, after we won, everybody on
2: campus just kind of ran out of their dorm and started screaming, driving around with cars, people climbing on top of them. It was fun. The news came out. News people couldn't find a place to stand, so they just kind of pulled up a car and stood on the car and started filming from the car. They were
0: hoping that people wouldn't shake them off of the car. They didn't, but it was it was a lot of fun. And so what was the, was the school known for anything before this? Um,
1: no. <laughs> Not really academic excellence? No. <laughs> Now, no. now, are we getting snobbish because we went to a school that was founded in 1857? Well, no, watch, but I mean, watching where the, the children apply to their schools,
0: um, uh, you know, they don't start at FGCU. They kind of maybe end up there. Right. It's been more of a safety school up until recently. He can hear us. <laughs> We're on the Skype with him. <laughs> so what, what else is, is noteworthy about FGCU besides your alligators and, the, uh, the basketball? The way that they treat the freshmen here is ridiculous. They have,
2: like, the nicest dorms. I don't think freshmen get treated better anywhere than they do here. That was
1: awesome when you are a freshman, but now that you're a junior, it's like, oh, come on. Well, because when you become a junior, when you become an upperclassman of any kind, part of your satisfaction is seeing the freshmen suffer. Right, yeah. You want them to, yeah.
2: So they get, like, nice rooms? Oh, yeah. They have nice rooms. They have huge buses that come and pick them
0: up and drop them off. See, mm-hmm. none of and and your sister at another Florida school, uh, you know, being a
1: freshman, she was stuck in a room with four other girls. That right. Was, you know, the size of my bathroom. Well, when, yeah. I went, when I went and saw Margaret's dorm room, I thought I was in one of them low budget prison movies. And I was like, <laughs> this, your room is made entirely of cinder blocks. And, and I'm not sure that's a real window. And it's just terrible. And now you're telling me that if she'd gone to FGCU, it would have been a palace. Oh, they have beautiful freshman dorms. They're awesome. Well, and she's got alligators there, too, right? Man-eating alligators. She does have alligators and snakes so, as well. There's no one, one poisonous one. One poisonous, one poisonous alligator. Yes. And that, that by the way, listeners, is a reference to yet another Sajkast that you're going to have to go back and listen to in order to keep up. But we're not going to wait for you because we're going to move on to something else. So the hint is you'll have to go way back. <laughs> way back. Should we talk fish? Yes. Sure. Okay, and the reason that we're delighted to have you on as a co co host during well, Fish Month is that you've been fishing for a very long time. Yes, I have. And how when did when did that start for you? Um I was
2: about fourteen or fifteen. It's just an excuse to get out of the house and then I kind of loved it.
1: So stuck with it. Okay, so let's talk about that because uh, <laughs> Because, you know, here, when it comes to food, we love passion. And so, kind of what we want to talk to you about is, one of the things that we were talking about in pre-production, is that you and I, we get fish in very different ways. I, I, sometimes I just drive through somewhere and they hand it to me through my car window, but your process is very different because you're hauling the beast from the water. Right. What is it about going out and, and fishing that gets your blood running? Um for me it's going to a different place every time. I
2: don't like to go to the same spot and do the same thing. So we get like a little canoe, paddle out as far as we can into the into the swamp and the bay here and try to
1: catch fish and try to have fun with it. So is it about is it about the size of the fish? Is it about the difficulty in landing it? It is, but the
2: fish is only half of it. The other half is getting there and getting back.
1: Okay. And so, um, we are now going to talk about the fish as food porn. So (laughs) don't be insulted, but I, when I was growing up and we, you know, we all grew up in Florida, so there was no shortage of fisher people around. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew a guy who would go out to Lake Okeechobee in his little boat and he would bring a hibachi grill with him. And as he (laughs) caught the fish, he would clean them and gut them and, and cook them right there on the boat because his his belief was the sooner you got it onto the fire, the better the fish was. (laughs) Have, Have you found that to be the case?
2: Yes. I don't think I've ever done that quite so fast, but yes. I do know some people who have eaten sushi right from the ocean, caught a tuna and cut it and ate part of it, and they say it's delicious. So
1: fresh is good. So there is something to it and and part of the thrust of our show is that we like to advise our listeners on what is what's worth going out of your way for. And so in your opinion, would you say that the going out of your way to get fresher fish is worth some time and effort or after a certain amount of time it just, you know, doesn't matter?
2: Well, if you're going for a uh, good fish, if you're going to get like tilapia or catfish, it I mean, it'll taste better fresh, but it's not that big of a difference. If you're going to get something like trout or salmon or swordfish, then yeah, I think there's definitely
1: worth going for the fresh rather than frozen. So when you yourself go out to get a good piece of fish, as my grandma Mm -hmm. would say, are you, are you snobbish at all? Will you turn down a fillet of fish or, you know, do you have, do you have standards that you will not transgress as it were? I do because um, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Service
2: does. So not worth going to jail over fish, but as long as it meets their requirements and I'm hungry, I'll usually eat the fish.
0: There you go. Okay, but at a restaurant, are you picky?
1: Mm,
2: Yes.
0: Okay. I usually don't
1: eat food from or fish from a restaurant, but yeah. So, is there any circumstance under which you would eat fish at a restaurant? Uh, yes.
2: If it's like, uh, down at the keys or somewhere where they have people go out and fish and then bring it
1: in that day, I'd probably eat it there. Yeah. See, the closest thing we have here is there is a fish restaurant next door to the aquarium. Um, (laughs) but I can't ever get them to admit that that's why it's fresh. Mitchell's. Yes. Yes. They won't talk about it, uh, publicly.
0: Well, I wanted to ask about the, the fish themselves. So, I mean, the fishing that you're doing is it primarily freshwater or, well, fresh as water gets in Florida? <laughs> or, or is it out in the ocean um, now? Because I guess before you were doing a lot of canal work, right? Right. Uh, convenience, yes.
2: But I have a car, so now I do go to the salt more often. The fish taste better and
1: they fight harder, so it's a win-win. And so what are, what are the good catches there that you can, you well, can reliably get? Before we get to that, when, you, let's talk about your, your early canal days. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Think back. What's, what kind of fish come out of the canals? Oh yeah, start there. Bass
2: and lots of foreign fish because people just kind of dump their fish because they don't want to see them die. So you're okay. saying
0: like, like African fish or cichlids, things like that? Right. African, South American. for yes. pets. Yes. Right. Oh, that's interesting. South Florida is
2: called the Little Amazon because of all the non-native species that are released here.
1: And do you ever have any concerns about eating canal fish just because it's not a it's not your standard ecosystem or pollution or anything like that? I don't usually eat canal fish. Okay. So canal work is mostly catch and release for fun. Yes. Okay. All right. And so then moving on to the saltwater. Or is there is there an intermediate step? Is there like a big lake kind of fishing uh, that's a step up from canal but a step down from saltwater? Yeah, salt like water? Okeechobee. Have you have you fished Okeechobee? I did fish
2: Okeechobee once. It was very interesting. We didn't do that great, but it was an experience. We went out on the last day of duck season, so there were people shooting shotguns all
0: around <laughs> us. It was it was an experience. And what and what do you fish there?
2: Oh, uh, that was for bass.
0: And where, where did you, where did you take your port
1: from? Cause we've, we've been in the area a couple times.
2: From the north side of Lake Okeechobee.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. See, now I actually fished Okeechobee once myself. I know the listeners are stunned, but it was with Hibachi guy. <laughs> and so my point of fishing was being out on the lake when the sun came up in a gigantic expanse of water. And I did catch a fish, but the experts on board didn't think it was a good fish, although it was heavy, and took me a while to get it out of the water, and they just kind of tossed it back like I hadn't accomplished anything. <laughs> but this is not about me, so <laughs> let's move on to salt water. <laughs> Tell us about okay. fishing in the ocean. Uh In the ocean or in the bay? Um, we'll start in the bay. Start in the bay. Okay, in
2: the
0: bay, uh, like the kinds of fish you catch? Yeah. Because yeah. that... you're, I mean, well, there's how, how do you do it? So there's there's shore fishing, right? There's paddling right. out in a smaller boat, and then... I guess there's deep sea after that, or is there something in the Right. Well, there's deep sea where you
2: just kind of drop the hook down and hope you catch something, and then there's trolling where you pull it behind the boat. Right. So let's
0: start on the shore and work our way out.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, I do most of my fishing from the shore because I don't have a boat. So from the shore you catch a uh, redfish, snapper, snook, flounder,
0: that sort of thing. Really? I didn't think flounder would. All right. That's interesting. How far do you have to cast to get these guys? Not far at all. Most people, when they walk
2: out, try to cast out as far as they can. But if you kind of drop it down right in front of you, a lot of times you'll catch them right there.
0: And what kind of beach is this or, or shoreline? Is it like a park?
2: No, I don't really go to parks much. I mean, there are parks. There's sandy beaches.
0: There's mangroves. There's flats. There's wherever you want to go. It's here. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to picture if there's girls with bikinis and you're casting out, or you know, if, if you're fortunately
1: not, often. not on a, often on a barren beach. Why are we yeah. trying to picture that? I'm just trying to picture what kind <laughs> of beach this is. Oh, because it's all about the environment. Okay. But
0: I mean, mangroves sound like they would be a good a good place to get them because that's where kind of the estuary for fish, right? Oh or, yeah. Or at least the bigger fish from the ocean. They they put their babies there until they get bigger. Yep, that's exactly it. All right, so then, if you're going out into the bay a little further, if you had a canoe, right, uh, are you going to catch anything if, different? No,
2: you're pretty much going to catch the same things. You might hook into a tarpon, but your odds of catching that in a canoe are slim to none. But it's pretty much the same. You can catch the same thing. You just have more options when you're out in the water.
0: And so, in in the uh, in the bay, what do you? What do you like to use as bait? Because I I read somewhere that some some fish are picky and they like tasty things like, you know, a shrimp that was deep fried, maybe. Mm -hmm. Alright.
2: Um, Most of them, you can't go wrong with shrimp. It's pretty hard to not catch a fish if you're using shrimp, especially live shrimp. They like to
0: see the little legs wiggle. And these are, what kind of shrimp are they? Uh, Is this a shrimp you would eat as well? No, I I wouldn't, but. So bait shrimp are a special kind of shrimp.
2: I don't think that they're special so much as they are. There's less regulations
0: on how they have to keep them. Oh, they, yeah. The, I mean, the way they're farmed. But the, the species is the one that we might eat. Yeah, I, okay. yeah. Okay. So they're not special genetically
1: modified shrimp. No. Yet <laughs> raised for bait. Yeah. To the ocean? Right, to the Hemingway-esque man versus fish? Well, out in
2: the ocean, there's, um, of course, snapper, grouper, uh
1: jacks. Amberjacks, mackerel, swordfish, sailfish, marlin, and and I'm imagining I'm imagining a whole different kind of fishing trip because it sounds like up until up until you're out in the ocean, you can pretty much go fishing with you know your canoe, your shoes, a, a, a yeah. collection of bikini-clad women, and some kind cool. of fishing rod. But if you're going out in the ocean, you need it's a whole different approach, right? Oh, yes, definitely. You have to have a lot stronger rods and reels, otherwise they'll rip it right apart. And so of of all these various venues, if you mm-hmm. had your choice, what would you pick every time without fail? If if money and time and equipment was not enough, didn't matter? I think what would be really fun is here on the
2: Gulf, there's uh, oil rigs offshore, and uh, a lot of people go to them and fish them because it's the only structure around, so it brings in... All sorts of different fish, and I think that'd be really fun because it keeps it interesting. You don't know what you're going to catch on that cast, but you know it'll be something big. Well, so
0: speaking of big, what's the, what's the biggest fish you've ever brought in? We'll, and we'll go backwards from there. To, to uh, <laughs> the biggest fish I ever caught was a baby tarpon, which was about
2: 25 pounds.
0: And, and tarpon are the, the real shiny-looking, like they're made of silver almost if people will put up yeah. a picture of a tarpon. Florida is very famous for tarpon and uh, yes. and what bonefish things bonefish like that. yeah yes. and what's the biggest one that got away? I don't know. <laughs> Did it
2: seem <laughs> yeah. big? Oh, oh yes, it took all the line off of my reel.
1: It just ran and I couldn't stop it, and I was left with a reel with no line on it. Again with um, and we know you're working on your education and that's it. Right. Yada yada, but. but- if you could do anything with your life, is it, would you see fishing as a profession, as an eventuality for you, if you could do it for money?
2: No, I don't think I would. I I just like having fun with it, and I think I'd keep it like that.
0: That's well, I asked you this question once before, and, I, and you you mentioned too, like the idea of um, of being worried that you know the job that you're doing is is taking things out of the ocean that we're not putting back. You know, the conservation yeah. angle. Right.
2: There's yeah. Most of the fish with the exception of dolphin pretty much, I forgot to mention dolphin. Um, uh, most fish take a while to come back. Dolphin have a lifespan of four years, so they're one of the fastest growing fish in the ocean, so you can take pretty much as much of them as you want. But things like tuna and swordfish, they're uh they are on the decline.
1: Are there any kind of international venues that you say, wow, I'd love to go fishing off of Kyoto, or or um, you know, the Chinese mainland. Is there any exotic location where you want say where you think, wow, it'd be great to go fishing there?
2: I think it'd be fun to go fishing for like the Loch Ness monster. Loch
1: Ness, <laughs> Just to say that you've done it, I think that'd be fun. You're gonna need a much bigger hibachi to cook that thing on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you would. But but you know, goes with haggis, right? <laughs> yeah. If I could go anywhere, I think I'd go there.
2: Catch a salmon and eat it raw because I love sushi salmon. I think that'd be fun
0: to do. Alaska is good for that too. Mm-hmm. Over the summer, I was in Homer, which is the halibut capital of the world, and I was gonna I was gonna try my hand at fishing uh, the halibut. But a storm blew in the day that we were there, or the day that I was gonna go fishing, and apparently this is you know this is where the the boats leave for the world's most <laughs> dangerous fishing storms happen. So mm-hmm. they, you know they canceled the trip, but apparently. The fishing there is just ridiculous because I realized after the fact that if I had caught one, I'm not sure what I would have done with it, and that you probably would have ended up with 200 pounds of halibut, you know, delivered via FedEx. <laughs> <laughs> we would have had an awesome fish fry. I've never
2: had halibut. I've only had flounder.
0: Yeah, been, I mean, oh, the, those similar. things are the, – the small ones are like 20 and 30 pounds, and the big ones are 3 and 400 and so, you know, you figure, oh, what do I, you know, the rental car won't hold 300 pounds of halibut. What do I do? I can't possibly eat that much. Would they have bought it from you? They, they would buy it from you, or you can uh, you can pay to have it flash frozen and, and shipped, or yeah, whatever. So, which is a popular thing too. But then you're like, hey, my $50 boating trip cost me $600 in shipping. Yeah. <laughs> See, so yeah, I always thought that would, that, that would have been a good place to, to pick, or, or the Amazon because of all the wacky fish that are there. Yeah. The Amazon would be very cool. I
1: did not think about that. Yeah. All right, so shall we move on to food porn? If you can intellectually make, that make it sound like we haven't been there the whole time. <laughs> the best thing we ate this week. So, go ahead. Tell us the best thing you ate this we'll let week. it orange start. Yes.
2: I have not ate anything that interesting this week, but the best thing that I've eaten recently was uh, a pie that my girlfriend made for me for Valentine's Day.
0: Did it have a special name? Uh, no, that doesn't have a name. <laughs> You'll have to come up with one. Because I've seen a picture of this. You're going to have to tell us exactly how bad it was. Um, right. Calorically, it was like a neutron bomb. <laughs> My favorite candy is Reese's
2: by far. And peanut butter cups
0: or, or the kiss or the pieces. Peanut peanut
2: butter cups. I don't like the pieces. Doesn't have enough chocolate in them. The okay. classic. Right. So she took uh, about 30 full-sized Reese's cups, quartered them, put them off to the side, got a pie tin, made a crust out of crushed Oreos, mixed up uh, some chocolate pudding or mousse, and then mixed that in with the Reese's and put that just in the pie tin, covered it with crumpled Oreos and gave it to
0: me. See, there's a pie you don't have to
2: bake. No, it was, (laughs) it was 120 bites of chocolate peanut butter goodness. I ate it in about three days. It was really good.
1: I'm starting to wonder what her schedule's like. If she'd be (laughs) interested in, in an interview and, and perhaps a, a a sample. (laughs) So yeah, that sounds. Uh, we've got pictures of that.
0: I, I saw them yeah. on Facebook. We can we can post the uh, the peanut butter
1: decadent pie. We'll give it a name. Well, and and along those lines, because this pie sounds like some of our college adventures, in which we we either conceived of a recipe, like I think we can replicate a Big Mac without having to go to McDonald's. So we go out and we assemble the parts and we make it. Um, and so. One of the questions I had for you is the stories of our youth aren't about the conquest of women or high intellectual or academic pursuits. We ate our way through college. And so we were curious if there's still a lot of championship uh, feasting going on in at the universities.
2: I don't know about the university, but
1: I do. I usually <laughs> try to get
2: one fun food a week, something that I usually wouldn't eat. And go from that.
1: So uh, some examples then.
2: Get a big thing of crawfish, get a whole soft shell crab, fry it and eat that, that sort of a thing.
0: Interesting. And you mentioned, um, I forget the name of it now, but it was the uh, the, the sandwich that was composed of the chicken sandwich huh. from KFC plus the the
1: double bacon whopper or whatever it was. Right, uh, the Slaughterhouse. The Slaughterhouse. The Slaughterhouse. Ah, see, now, this is food porn. Tell (laughs) us about the Slaughterhouse.
0: (laughs) We need something savory after all that pie. Well, it's um,
2: three animals in one, so you know that at least three animals had to die for you to get this sandwich. That's why it's the Slaughterhouse. (laughs) I don't remember how many calories it is,
1: but it's delicious. We can calculate it. I'm sure. We find calorie counting antithetical to good (laughs) food porn, so... We'll skip the calorie count. Tell us about the giant sandwich, if you will. Oh, you go to, I uh,
2: believe, Burger King, get a Baconator, and you open it up and slide a KFC Double Down, which is just two pieces of chicken with cheese and bacon
0: inside. No bread. No carbs. Okay. So you've, got, you. you've got bun, cheese, bacon, burger, followed right. by the chicken, cookie, ham, chicken. Yeah, yeah, okay. We With got
2: cheese it. in the middle,
0: yeah. Right, of course. Yes. It's funny that the double down was criticized when it came out as as being, you know, a, a vulgar food item, but in fact, it's really just chicken cordon bleu,
1: in yeah. in fast food form. Right. Yeah. I think what they were offended at was the the fact that it lacked a bun, and <laughs> and one reviewer said it was the saltiest thing he had ever eaten that wasn't salt. <laughs> he might have gotten a bad one, perhaps. So how big is this thing when you've got it all put together? It seems like it'd be pretty massive. Well, you have to squish it down so it fits in your hand and you
2: can eat it, but it's doable. You don't have to use a fork and knife to eat it. You can use your hands.
1: That's good to know. And and much like when we were in college and we would split a gigantic pizza and a gigantic pepperidge farm cake, there was a significant need for hydration after you eat something like that. So going to the salt content of the slaughterhouse, do you find, uh, that you've gotta, you've gotta avoid the sodium poisoning? No, I embrace the sodium.
0: <laughs> he does not have your, your malady. <laughs> that's true. And so what's, and I was just wondering, so what's, what's good? Like, what is the, the, the campus calf or, or, you know, whatever? What, do, what do they make that's any good? If anything. Um, we have a sushi place on campus, which is fun. So.
2: That's probably the best food around on campus. There's not too much to speak of other than fresh sushi. And so
1: and when you <laughs> yeah, so when you when you ride out to plunder the town, is there any particular place in town that's your favorite? Um, I like Pita Pit. I don't know
2: if you've ever been there or have that up in Cincinnati, but Pita Pit is delicious. There's a local a local barbecue place. That uh, has some of the best biscuits I've ever had. What's it called? Um, I think it's JJ's.
1: JJ's. And it's, let's let's circle yeah. back to the pit for a minute. What's uh, what's kind of your your go to dish at the Pita Pit? Uh, chicken souvlaki. Okay. Yes. With Ziki. Tziki sauce. Mm. Oh yes. All right. Well, the next time you're at these places, you know we're gonna want pictures. I'll send you pictures for the website. Right. Um And so, did you did you think of your your best thing you ate this week, Stacy? Uh, no, I didn't. But I have a wish list now. After oh, right. having <laughs> listen all these descriptions, I'm gonna need one of those pies and a slaughterhouse, and then we'll convene on our next podcast. I'll tell you how that went. Yeah. So last week, I um,
0: on on my way to St. Louis, I drove there. And on exit 25A on uh, Highway 64, going out across Indiana and then into uh, Illinois, this is farm country, like all out farm country, pastoral. You know, paint a picture of it. Looks like it looks like it could be England, except the farms don't look English; they look American. Um, So it's it's beautiful country, and it's clearly Amish country as you get out there. In fact, on the on the way back, um, I stopped at a McDonald's early in the morning just to get some you know, um, an Egg McMuffin or whatever, and it was the strangest scene. I walked up to, because uh, you have to stop to use the bathroom, you try and consolidate your things to make your trip go quicker, so you, you're going to go and use the bathroom, and I opened the door of the McDonald's, and it was to the brim, to the gills, you use a fishing term,
1: with Amish, in, in full-on regalia, like, you know, with the hats and the black. And Wait, your- I'm composing the tweet right now. <laughs> I walked into McDonald's, and it was packed to the gills with Amishmen. Yeah, so, and and at that point you just kind of stop and slowly back out the
0: door. This is like a movie I saw in the
1: 1980s. I had better leave right away.
0: It didn't, it didn't seem right to see that many Amish in McDonald's. And they were all ordering one at a time. But anyway, in fact it was the same exit. So yeah, 25A across from the McDonald's where where I stopped on the way home was an Amish buffet.
1: And, uh, curiously the Amish shows at McDonald's and not the Amish buffet. (laughs) So there were no Amish people at the Amish buffet. They there were all were at McDonald's across the street. Apparently so. And the Amish buffet was full of truck drivers and... Can you
0: blame them? They're out. They're out. They
1: don't want Amish food. They eat that every day. They're out on the road. They want a little something different. Okay. <laughs> now it all starts to make sense.
0: Yeah. So the Amish buffet had, well, you know, all the things that you might expect from a, you know, kind of country style buffet. And it was, in fact, as you, as you described, trucks, truck parking there, so... There were gentlemen who were as tall as they were wide coming out of fia but <laughs> so that didn't least, scare you. In well, the way they're it, truckers, that's their life. You know. Okay, I, mean, I can't help that. All right. And the people who were running it, the the kids that were running it, were you know in their, if they were in their late teens, I'd have been surprised. Like they were really young. I wouldn't I wouldn't guarantee that they were Amish making the food, but they were certainly Amish recipes. This fried chicken, which we have pictures of, was I think I texted you at the time was it maybe as good or better than. The Greyhound Tavern's chicken. So it was really, and all you, you know, just go up and get more. All you can eat. Their, their gravy had big chunks of meat in it. Like big hunks. You could fish out half of a, a primer. Just keep pulling out giant pieces of meat. There was a spaghetti casserole that they had, which was, which was dynamite. All sorts of fish. They had um, catfish and a couple of other, they got a baked cod. I'm trying to remember what all was in there. I didn't eat it all, but I, I had to go looking at all of it because they had many different vegetables, of course, being Amish. The uh, the green beans had equal parts bacon. So, you know, it's health food at that point. Well, there was a massive section of desserts, which I, I tried to steer clear of, but all sorts of homemade pies and, you know, things of this nature. They had um, a peanut butter, and, and Orin will probably enjoy this. It was a peanut butter cream. I think that's what it was called. But it's like a peanut butter filling. And the ingredients, because they had it in the gift shop, the ingredients were peanut butter, marshmallow cream, and corn syrup. So that sounds like a good a good filling. It's
1: well on your way to making your own Reese's peanut butter cup if you ever decide that's the way you want to go. And so, so two things. Once again, you have discovered most excellent food while gallivanting. And what is the Amish buffet? What does it cost to belly up to the trough? Oh, I'd have to check, but it was like 12 or 14 bucks. It was pretty cheap. That's not bad. Yeah, I mean, and it's well, it's farm country, so it's not going to be all that expensive anyway. Was there any decent food at the at the it's not a con, right? It's the Wizard World. Well, it it's
0: yeah, Wizard World is the the brand. Right. It's yeah, the it's a comic con. And you were you were there with uh,
1: our first ever co host, Charles Joy. Yes. And um any any memorable food stories from the con? Mostly, it was food disasters.
0: It was food that didn't work out too well. The first night after the show, we went to the casino because there's a, just Cincinnati and St. Louis are very similar towns. They're towns that peaked, you know, a century ago and are, are struggling for relevance. And so they both now have casinos downtown. They're both river towns. You know, it's a very similar vibe. They have cobblestones and horses and carriages, and it's like I've I've been here before. So not knowing where we were, and we we're kind of downtown in the doldrums. There we decided, well, we just go to the casino because there's a bunch of restaurants in there. Um, the first problem was that uh, it's a smoking casino, and in, unlike in Las Vegas, they don't pump the air out, so it was just a big smoky cauldron. <laughs> and we ended up at a sports bar where we where we watched the uh, the Eagles and their first triumph. And you know, I mean, we waited like 45 minutes for the appetizer, which showed up 15 minutes after the entree. <laughs> It huh? was one of it was one of those disasters. So a disaster. <laughs> and the other the other big meal we had was at a, a Mexican restaurant, which was um, if we had turned the other way from the casino, there's a place called the Landing, which is down by the water over there, and they have a lot of bars and, and restaurants there. And we went down there around seven thirty, seven forty five. By the time we we found where we wanted to go, and uh, we figured oh, it was a Mexican restaurant. It wasn't Friday, but we were trying to make up for lost time. We were the only people in this place. And this was three stories of of seating, and so we we asked the waitress. We said, "You you would tell us if you were all vampires and you're going to lock the doors in some sort of you know <laughs> horrible ending that's about to befall us, or if there was some sort of mob hit that was about to happen that we should know about. And Is this building slated for
1: demolition or something <laughs> that they didn't tell us about?
0: But yeah, no, she insisted that the the partyers there um, they don't come out until like nine. And, and after and that it was more of a drinking location in that area and so that was one of the places that served food, but it wasn't really a diner's destination, it was more of a, a partier's destination who would they would grab food there. So the food wasn't bad there, but it didn't compare to the Amish buffet. Few things do. So few things do. Okay. So I guess we've
1: come to the end of our our, our interview slash co hosting. Yes, our second ever co co host. Uh, who brings skills and knowledge to the podcast, which is what we look for in a co-host, <laughs> to kind of prop up any, shall we say, deficiencies on our part. Well done. Thank you very much. Anything you want to add or plug, or uh, other than the eagles, out? or even the eagles themselves?
2: <laughs> Go eagles! We'll see how we do this Friday. Hopefully, keep going.
1: Perfect.
0: Thanks for being here. No problem. Right. Thanks. Bye. And that was our interview with uh, our fisherman and FGCU uh, attendee, my son, Oren, and our second-ever
1: co -co hosts So uh, those of you who are listening, you'll see a comment section on the website. And uh, in addition to interviewing high-profile and interesting guests, we may have more co-co-hosts in the future. So I wouldn't rule anything out. I wouldn't rule anything out. Uh, But speaking of the future... Next week, we have a special interview with another celebrity chef. That's right. Uh, chef Diane DeMeo of ABC's The Taste with Anthony Bourdain. She was also on Chopped. One My, my of did very well on yes. Chopped, as a matter of fact. Well, there's only one way to do well on Chopped, <laughs> and that's to... Well, I guess in the hierarchy, you can win and get your $10,000, or you can impress the celebrity chef judges and maybe have them hire you to work in their restaurants. But... Just the sheer joy of not having Ted Allen tell you to get off the show is pretty good. So, um, she won Chopped. So she is technically a Chopped champion. And, um. Yeah. And she was on this, this season's The Taste, which just wrapped up. Uh, yes. so if you were watching The Taste,
0: you know that she was the, uh, she was the finalist from Team Bourdain. Anyway, that's our, that'll be our interview next week. So next week's Sajcast number 24 will be with Chef Diane DeMeo. And that brings us to the end of Sajcast 23. Our 23rd ever SajCast. Which sponsored the Way Home Alliance. The rescuers of... Dogs with troubled pasts. Cats who peed on the wrong thing at the wrong time. And flat out cute critters. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Unless, of course, the world is destroyed.